shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Here we go. (laughs) Welcome Friends, I've always wanted to do that. Right at that point, like I wanted to be the hype guy for Dr. Delight. That's that's what it's called. He's singing this song behind us right now. Welcome to episode 11 of the Human Hope Podcast. My name is Carlos Enrique with Guzman and Chibokabeo, and I'm here for you. I'm glad that you are here hanging out with me for just a few minutes, maybe a little bit over an hour, uh, where we get to throw some hope into your life. Uh, and when I say hope, I mean, real human hope, the hope that you've been looking for all week long. Hopefully you're going to find it right here. And listen, if there's ever been a podcast episode that is chicken soup for the soul, it is this one right here. I'm telling you, this one feels so good. It feels so good. You're, you're going to love my guest today. Um, she, she literally is. She's like a, she's like, she's like a warm blanket in like a fire and like a, like cozy chicken soupy kind of deal, uh, drinking some tea, laughing, uh, snow falling through the out the window, settling a nice quiet blanket of snow across the land, the plains. Where, like that's what it feels like. That's what this conversation today feels like. Uh, and I really can't wait for you guys to um, just enjoy that. Enjoy, enjoy the 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 soul chicken soup for the soul conversation we got today. I'm not quite sure. I, I think chicken soup for the soul is a book. Uh, this is I, I don't know I've never even read the book. This is not an endorsement of the book, but it just kind of felt like the right thing. That's really what this conversation feels like. Um, and we'll get to the conversation in just a second. You're going to fall in love with this gem of a human being. But before we get to the conversation, uh, I wanted to just just do a little recap. Like what's been going on since last week? You know, uh, not a lot. I mean, there's been a lot in the news that's been going on. Right? We've got like like gas crises, like everybody's like running to the gas stations to fill up their cars with gas. And when the truth is like, we haven't run out of gas, but 
America's really loved to, uh, you know, stock up on things that we're scared we may lose, i.e. toilet paper or gasoline. Or, or how about, how about maybe one of the worst moments I had in months happened last Friday. Uh, actually, two horrible things happened to me last Friday. The first one is I woke up, I had a meeting Friday morning. Uh, and so I decided to drive through Chick-fil-A on the way to the meeting. And I drive through Chick-fil-A. And, and normally with my breakfast that I, I order, I, what would I normally order? A Chick-fil-A biscuit, maybe a side of two chicken minis, and some hash browns. Now, I like Chick-fil-A sauce on everything. So, and I like honey. So I ordered some Chick-fil-A sauce. And I said, can I have two Chick-fil-A sauces, please? And the man goes, this is like a grown man in the drive-thru, right? Not like 16-year-old Chick-fil-A worker drive-thru. This was like a grown man, first of all. So um, I guess not that that matters. But this grown man looks at me and he goes, I'm sorry. I can only give you one Chick-fil-A sauce. And I was like, I, I think I literally said, I'm sorry. When did that become a thing? He goes, well, we're, we have a shortage of sauces at Chick-fil-A. This is last Friday. Now, I think this just became news a couple of days ago here, um, like in current times. But last Friday, the 7th of May, maybe, 6th, um, they were, the Chick-fil-A's freaking out of Chick-fil-A sauce. And I said, okay, so like if I order another biscuit, can I get another Chick-fil-A sauce? He goes, sorry, we can only give you one. I said, well, can I, can I buy? I, I'm, I'm so addicted to Chick-fil-A sauce that I'm like, I, let me buy another no, sorry, I can't can't charge you. So, I don't care about gasoline. I, I'll walk wherever I need to walk. But if I can't have Chick Fil A sauce with my chicken minis or my fries or my Chick Fil A sandwich, I I don't know if America's even America anymore. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. So so that started off my day horribly. So I go to my meeting. I come home, and Heather's still uh she she hasn't gone outside yet. And my neighbor's like. Hey, Carlos, come here, man. You seen this? His name's Wayne. So I, I was like, oh, man. And Wayne, Wayne's always got like, you know, some story up his sleeve. And I'm like, Wayne, I ain't got time for this. He's like, man, look, look over here. Look at your chicken. And I round the corner and I see black feathers everywhere. No, no, no. Listen, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know, six weeks ago was like the worst week ever, right? Like our favorite chicken, Chris, got killed by an owl that we had to rescue. And then we had to put our dog to sleep. It just was horrible week. And I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, a chicken's dead. And I know it's Mary, one of Heather's favorite chickens. I'm like, no. But then I was like, wait a second. <clears throat> and I looked inside the fence by the coop and I see Blair. No. And then I start looking around and it is a scene out of a chicken horror movie. It is a massacre. There are carcasses all over the place. So now I'm freaking out. I'm running out and I'm like, oh my gosh, where is it? And then I'm looking for Jack the Duck. We love Jack the Duck. Nowhere to be found. I walk in the chicken coop, feathers everywhere, massacre, murder. I find a chicken a hundred yards to the east by the road. Half eaten, like his body was eaten. Then I'm looking around. Then I find a chicken across the street, across the freaking street in my neighbor's yard who has like a five-year-old daughter who she could have walked out and been playing in her yard and found a headless chicken. 
And I, I find all four of our chickens completely destroyed, like gone. They're dead. Uh, and Jack is, is missing the, the duck. Well, the night before we'd forgotten to uh, close the chicken coop. And let me just tell you what happens when you forget to close the chicken coop. Raccoons and foxes and coyotes. Well, the way that the carcasses were, I, I'm sorry, we're, we're starting off in such a boat. Uh, uh, to be honest with like, like we weren't necessarily sad. It was just like really one more thing. I mean, these are livestock, you know, so like we don't, they're not like pets, but we did love the girls. I had to tell Heather, you know, we, you know, I, I had to bury all the chickens. It just was one of those days. But in some good news, my parents came up to Nashville to hang out for a few days and the few days are turning into 20 days. And now I got my parents. This is why we moved my parents from Los Angeles um, to Atlanta. My brother lives in Atlanta, but they're up in Nashville until their house is ready on the 21st. And so we'll move them in down there. So that was a little uppity for my soul. Um, Speaking of uppity for my soul, I don't know what an uppity for my soul it is, but but I'm just claiming whatever that phrase is now. Um, Let's uh, let's 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 make each other smile for a second. How about it? How about a couple clean jokes? Two in particular uh, from you guys, listeners. Straight to you guys, the listeners. This first joke is coming from. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, Donette. Actually, no. Let's do the Katie Lee Weber joke. Katie Lee Weber, take it away. What did the broccoli say to the cauliflower? Ah! It's a ghost. <laughs> okay. That was funny. And listen, we had a live studio audience laugh for that one. So you're welcome. Uh, I think we got another joke. Uh, who is this one? Lisa. Lisa, take it away. Why couldn't the toilet paper cross the road? It got stuck in a crack. It got stuck in a crack. That was a good one. One more. One more. One more. They're getting better. All right, Donette, here we go. Take it away. This is Donette, and I am from Minneapolis. My joke is, what's the last thing to go through a fly's mind before it hits the windshield? It's butt. (laughs) (laughs) That one actually had me choking. Um, Okay, that was funny. That was funny. Although although I, I think maybe the joke was, what's the last thing to go through a fly's mind? As it hits the windshield, right? Like not before, <laughs> or else like it's butt, or maybe it was flying backwards. But I, yeah, so I, I get it. Hey, well done, round of applause. Thank you guys for the clean jokes. Clean jokes are done. So what time is it? Well, it's time to move from the jokes to the juice. Oh man, I'm, I'm full of them today. Um, this conversation. Let, let's go back to the chicken soup metaphor. I'm telling you, just imagine, imagine for a second. Some of you guys may want, not want to go back there. I do. Um, imagine that it's winter. And again, you're, you're, you're cozy by the fire. You need something to warm you up. So for some of you guys, it's going to be chicken soup. For some of you guys, it's going to be tomato bisque. For some of you guys, it's going to be clam chowder. For some of you guys, it's going to be corn chowder. Whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you eat and it makes you feel so good. That's what this conversation with my friend, drumroll please, Ruthie Lindsay is. I... I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't even, I, I can't even express you how many of you are going to be like, where has this woman been my entire life? Let me, re- let me read you her bio. 
Ruthie is a speaker and author, a podcast host, and a social media figure. Ruthie travels the globe sharing her story, empowering others to find purpose in their pain and to look for beauty in the midst of their sacred wounds. She wrote a book called There I Am, The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing. And the way that Ruthie and I became friends is magical. Literally, it is magical. It's like we were supposed to be friends for a long time, but we just happened to stumble each other on onto each other, like in the most perfect way, at the most perfect time when we were both kind of in need um, of of just a spark in friendships. And I, she has been that to me. Um, today, I actually uh, put her on my Instagram feed uh, because she she says that she she collects souls that she's got this gift this gift of collecting the most beautiful souls to be part of her world. And I am privileged to be one of those. And I I am privileged to also have collected her. And she just is the way she thinks about everything. She has been through more pain than a human should ever experience in their life. And you will hear it in her voice. She has such freedom. She has such purpose and she has such joy. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. So enough about Ruthie. Let's let her jump in. You guys ready? All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with your new best friend, Ruthie Lindsay. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, Ruthie. Hi, my friend. So I, I would say you're my friend. Yes. I'm, I'm calling you my friend. Absolutely. Although... This is the first time we have ever breathed the same air. <laughs> yes. This yes. is. And and I mean let's let's be honest, a little risky. Yeah. Well. You know, to be breathing the same air these days. I mean, we're but, um, six feet across we breathing are, we're, the same yeah, that's air. Right. But... That's right. Six feet across. But um <laughs> you are you're somebody that I've followed for a long time. So really? li- years. Really? Yes, yes, yeah. years. Um and let's just I just want to go ahead and like lay this out how this happened. So <laughs> how I first found you was I was writing my first book at Crema. And this was 2014. Wow. And there was a dude with a, like a, I don't know if it was a red forerunner and a dog. Uh Uh-huh. Like the coolest looking dude that came walking in. (laughs) And somebody stopped to take their picture with him. This is going to, like a really long little kind of trail here. And I was like, why would somebody take their picture with that dude? Like, I mean, his dog's outside and he has a nice truck, but I don't know. So, I went up and asked, and they're like, oh, that's uh, what was his, this wild idea? Or yeah, this- Theron. Yes. Yes. So I, I follow him on Instagram, and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> and, and this dog, that, like the most human dog I've ever yes. seen. So somehow you're friends with him. Yes. You were on one of his things, and yeah. I clicked on you. So this had to be like maybe 2015, 2016. Yeah. And ever since then, I've just been kind of on this, wow. on your journey. Oh my goodness. Um, and so fast forward to Christmas of this year, you were, you happened to be driving through my neighborhood. Yes. And why don't you? Yeah. Well, I'm driving. I mean, I literally put my dog in the car yeah. and I'm like, sissy, spacek, my dog, yeah. let's go around and see Christmas lights as one does. Did you, did you say this to your dog oh, like out loud? This is, you yeah. speak to your dog. Of course you one, do. Yeah. I speak to her. I whisper <laughs> in her ear sweet nothings and oh, tell her yeah. how perfect she is and I'll love her until the day I die. I no, love it. Uh, I love it. 100%. We have 
full on yes. well, one-sided conversations, but she of course. cares me. She and does. Yes. And I was actually, your neighbor is one of my dear friends, Amy Stroop. Okay. And I was like, oh, let's go bring Amy her Christmas present yeah. and see Christmas lights. And so when we were leaving... I was like, what's the best street to see some Christmas lights? And yeah. she was like, oh, my gosh, go by this house, gives me the street. And I was like, this is the best freaking thing I've ever seen. I'm obsessed with my town. I'm obsessed with humans. This is everything. So I literally park and I videotape this perfect front yard with yeah. all these Christmas lights with a Christmas story playing, and which is the Damn number right. one Christmas That's movie right. of all time. And when I say, <laughs> when I say 1,000 humans were like, that's Carlos. It's like, how do you not know? Y'all have to know each other. You so have true. to be friends. This is insane that you don't know who this is yet. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm catching up. Small this town. human is, so, and then I, you know, of course, click on and I start yeah. watching your who you are and how you're showing up in your words. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> this person, this precious, profound human oh. that is speaking so much truth, so much truth. Like, mm. I know I messaged you last week, but we live in such a divided culture yeah. and it's so dualistic. It's like, it's this or it's that. You're good yeah. or you're bad. It's yeah. black or it's white. It's, and there's so little nuance. Yeah. And you are a non-dualistic thinker. Yeah. And you think in these terms where it's like, oh, wait, what about the oneness of all things, of right. all beings, and all of us belong? And all, anyway, but you speak of it in such profound mm. ways. And anyway, I was just like, I want to be I your friend. You it. are stuck with me forever yes. because you are so precious. So that's how well, here we go. Here we go. And here we are. And, and the same thing happened to me. So I had a thousand people that were like, did you know Ruthie Lindsay is driving by your house right now? Which is which is just the weirdest. Instagram is so weird. Like the that internet. Because I'm like, oh, this was five minutes ago. I go look. I was like, no, nope, she's not there anymore, people. You know, whoever, the, who, you know. And then I was like, wait a second. You mean Ruthie that I've been following forever? And then so oh, uh, I think I, I messaged you like, hey, that was my house or something. You were so kind. Um, of course, I am very proud of my front yard when it comes to yes, Listen, like as I, you should be. Okay. <laughs> like it's I'm trying, amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to make other uh, beautiful Nashvilleians feel the hope and the love during the yes. holiday season. Well, I but, felt, um, felt it. Well, good, good. And, you know, as we've as we've gotten to know each other, you did. You messaged me um, a, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. And you you did. You mentioned something about being a non-dualistic thinker. Mm -hmm. Was it non-dualistic? Is mm -hmm. that what you said? Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, I'm glad I'm that. What in the world <laughs> is that? Yeah. <laughs> and you said... Um, that you'd learned this from Richard Rohr. Yes. So maybe, again, I just hit record. Just so you guys know, <laughs> there is, there, there's no paper in front of us yeah, telling us no what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We have no, we're just talking. Yes. Which is what I want to do. Yes. The, the, the podcast is called Human Hope. Mm. Um, so by the time this is out, I mean, it actually doesn't come out for two days, but by the time this episode is out, there'll probably be three or four episodes. And, mm -hmm. Um, hope the whole the whole purpose here is just hope. I mean, that's yes. that's all I want to give to yes. everybody. You tell me that I th think in a certain way mm -hmm. that sent me on. I listened to a pot, couple podcasts. You said Richard Rohr. You sent me a link. I'm like all in now. Like yes. I'm like I yes. I dove. It was like 4 a.m. and yes. you had me still oh. digesting all oh, of his thoughts yes. and the way he does things. And, that beautiful um, soul. Oh my gosh! So tell us a little bit about 
why you feel like non-dualistic thinking is so important Mm -hmm. and maybe your journey into that space. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Well, first off, I'm so honored to be here and I'm so glad we're friends. Oh my God. I'm so glad I finally caught up because I am so thrilled and thank you for having me here. This is so special. I'm such an honor. And, um, (laughs) you know, like I said to you, like I, I think what you're creating is so important and creating a space Mm. where it's, um, you're an expander. You allow us to see things from different points of view and this very universalist, like, gosh, it all, like, there's not one right way to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so that's why I love your thinking. I, you are a non-dualistic thinker. And I was introduced to that term. I remember the first few times (laughs) I had gone to some Richard Rohr retreats and I was like, come on, say who, what are these words? (laughs) I don't don't even know what that means. (laughs) And, but I knew that I was drawn to him and I had actually, Uh, in the time I was going through deconstruction uh of my faith and, um, he was like my tiptoe back in, and this was years ago, but I, I had grown up in a very, very dualistic um, mm-hmm. culture. I mean, we all are in a very dualistic sure. culture, but Absolutely. also I was a part of a church that was very dualistic and it was like. Um, now, hold on. Yeah. Dualistic. Mm-hmm. You define non-dualistic. Yes. So I would say, gosh, I. Sorry, I, like I'm, I'm yeah, like. No, I'm like, I just you know. don't want to do a disservice sure. to it. No, but I get like it. Yeah. dualistic would be like, it's. You're good or you're bad. Okay. You're going to heaven. You're going to Got hell. It. Got it. Um, every it's in very much in a box. Yeah. It's like it's black or it's white. Yep. And there's very like a there's just very little nuance. Yeah. It's like um, you can just define someone by you know they're black, they're male, they're yep. this, they're this, and then you can just automatically put a um, definition on who mm-hmm. you think that person is. And it's very, it can be very masculine energy, like a bit of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like the church of the eighties and the nineties. I, mean, yeah. I mean, all of the, the devotionals that I got, mm-hmm. all of the things were very, I mean, yeah. it was, it's either this or it's this. Yes. And there really wasn't space to walk yes. at all right. in between. Right. And it comes out in so many ways. Like there's good emotions or it's bad emotion. I mean, I grew up, I got whippings. Like I was yeah. allowed to be sweet and kind and pretty and pleasant. You could not show anger. You should not, mm. could not show rage. You could not show yeah. any of that. And so of course those things don't go away. Right. <laughs> right. You, you push them down. They go to the, I mean, I'm a big, I love studying like internal family systems yeah. and shadow yeah. work and all these parts. I know you did one site too, but mm-hmm. these things that we push to the basement, they don't go away, right? right. They end right. up coming out sideways and yeah. it come out and it's learning how to accept all of our parts that every, that it okay. all belongs yep. and um, that there is no other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a huge, huge part of it. I mean, good. the biggest thing that I feel like I've learned through him and through other people that I've been, as I've done my, un, I think the healing journey is unlearning and remembering. Yeah. Right. Unlearning so many of the stories that we've been taught, yeah. patriarchal stories. Yeah. And it's not all bad humans, right. quote unquote. It's just that's what they were taught. Mm-hmm. And so and it's what keeps you feeling safe. It's a fear um, motivator. And it's motivated. I'm like, oh, this is going to keep me safe if I'm in this box. Right. And, and I think for me, the most beautiful journey of unlearning 
I've been on is like coming back into my body. Okay. Remembering my body is not broken. Yeah. I was told I was a broken, depraved wretch and yes. uh, my flesh was sinful. My heart was mm. deceitful. And so I, I had left my body right. to, you know, well, and because of a lot of trauma, sure. very disassociated, sure. but learning to come <clears throat> back in that all my feelings belong, yeah. that I that they all get to have a seat at the table. They just want to be loved mm. and cared for. And the more I come back into my body and go from just like head knowledge to mind body, like my body holds such wisdom. Yeah. The more I do that, the more I remember and feel the oneness yeah. of all things. And that is the greatest act of resistance on yeah. planet earth. Cause I can't believe there's an other. Right. When I remember the oneness, I am connected to you. I am yeah. connected to all beings, to the animals, to Mother mm. Earth, to my precious, perfect dog, yeah. to the trees. We're all connected. And if yeah. you suffer, I suffer. If my black brother is suffering, uh-huh. I suffer. If the planet suffers, we're all connected. Connected. That, oh, there's so much right there. I mean, that, that was beautiful. Everything you just said, we could spend 14 hours just <laughs> unpacking the last four minutes. But I- hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go, oh man, maybe I should, I'm, I'm going to be typing some things down if you don't mind as, yeah, I, as we talk. Because, you know, I want to go back to, um, let's go back to, to Richard Rohr mm-hmm. and you're at a retreat and, mm-hmm. and he starts to teach you these things mm-hmm. and you said that you were, um, most people that are listening to this podcast, at least people that follow me regularly, would know that I grew up in evangelicalism. Like mm-hmm. I, I um, my father was a Southern Baptist pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've, um, as I've grown, and I would say even the last three or four years, I'm still very involved in my church. I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm very involved in um I'm Christian dim, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Yes. I don't, it's the lens at which I view things, yes. but it's not all I talk about. So yeah. as you see on my Instagram, I'm talking about everything. Yes. But what what I love about something you said is you went through through your deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yes. And I feel like so many people get so scared mm-hmm. of that word. Yeah. And I try to, whenever I see a friend of mine that maybe pushing back against that word deconstruction mm-hmm. and oh that's so dangerous and da 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 I actually think like maybe shouldn't we all constantly be doing this yeah. <laughs> deconstructing things in order yeah. to to construct them back to what they're supposed to be yeah. tell us um and just thank you for being you know feeling safe enough to share all of yeah. this stuff with me you yeah. know tell me not us just tell me you're just talking to me what what that journey mm-hmm was like for you? Yeah. Um, Very painful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Richard Rohr talks about order, disorder, reorder. Okay. And that's part of the human journey. And everyone doesn't leave order 
to move to disorder. And some yeah. people don't leave disorder to move to reorder. <clears throat> but order is that first stage where it's like, it's very dualistic. It's yeah. very black or white. It's do this or you go to hell. It's mm-hmm. it's black or it's white. It's right. It's the, to keep you safe. Yeah. And um, I did all those things, right? Yeah. I, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't have sex. I didn't, um, I was a very good girl, quote yeah. unquote. I thought all my worth was outside of me. I yeah. did all the right things. I married my first boyfriend because mm-hmm. I felt guilty about sex. I did all the right things. And then my world imploded. Wow. It fell apart. And I was in a really terrible car accident. I broke my neck. And then years really? later, I died. Some life support, wow. whole thing. Years later, the wire from my fusion broke. It pierced my brain stem, but we didn't know. I lived in my bed for seven years. Wow. Um, wow. I lost my daddy right after we found out about the wire in my brain. I was on every narcotic under the sun. Um, to manage pain. Yeah. And I mean, I just didn't want to hurt all the time. I thought it was all physical pain, had no idea about emotional. I didn't know anything about the mind body. I didn't know anything about my body that holding trauma. I didn't know anything about emotional pain stuck in my body. I mean, I thought it was all like, I'm the only human in the world that's had a wire in their brain. I'll never (laughs) feel better. I was very stuck in that trauma story. Like, you know, and, um, my world fell apart. My marriage ended. Um, I mean, I, I could list a lot of really traumatic things that happened, but you know, it was all a part of the journey. But yeah. my world imploded, and I had nervous breakdowns, way more than one. Mm. Um, I've been to treatment. I've been like, just name it. Yeah. All the things that this sweet little good girl that thought all of her worth was in how everyone saw me. Here yeah. I was, falling apart, a nightmare. Couldn't take care of myself. Completely dependent on the highest level of fentanyl patch, mm. morphine, hydrocodone. I mean, name it. Wow. Drugs um, for years. Seven years. Wow. I didn't get out of bed. And my I didn't know this at the time. My sure. trauma response is also freeze. Okay. And I wasn't debilitating pain. I mean, they didn't know that that wire was in my brainstem for five of those years. When you say that wire in my So brainstem. a wire that they used for my previous spinal cord fusion no literally broke way. and pierced my brainstem. And I'm the only human in the world. No. I shouldn't be alive, shouldn't be walking, shouldn't be speaking. I mean, that's like your reptile brain. Y- yeah. That's what they keep. When you're on life support, they're keeping your reptile brain alive. Wow. And um. Wow. I shouldn't be here, but wow. I should. <laughs> but you should, and you're yeah. here. And I'd already had died once in a car wreck. Right. And then this <laughs> happens a few years later. And so, wow. you know, my world just imploded. I felt so, I felt so abandoned. Mm. I felt so trapped in this body that I thought hated me. Yeah. I felt, um, I thought I would live the rest of my days in these four walls mm. in this body that I effing hated and I felt trapped inside of. I wanted to die. I thought everyone's life would be better if I were dead. I was um, completely dependent on others to take care of me. Mm. I hated my life. I thought God had abandoned me. Mm. Um, I mean, my, you know, my dad passed away on its way to come see me to tell me he'd sell our farm so I could have this surgery because wow. insurance wasn't going to cover it. And no on the way, way he literally passed away. He fell down a flight of stairs of no. brain damage. And I just was like, yeah. Yeah. it was just trauma on top of trauma. <laughs> and I, I didn't know how to handle it. Of course, who knows how to, I, I mean, no I, one exactly. knows how to handle no. that. And I, my world imploded. And and you had, you had built your world based on. Yes. Everything's going to turn out. You do this. You do this. Yes. Very dualistic. Yes. And then it didn't. 
<laughs> and then worse than did it. And, right. and that, you know, now it's so, oh gosh, perspective is such a beautiful mm. gift because now I can look back and see how all of the things that happened, and I've barely scratched the surface, <laughs> right. all became my entry point. They huh. all became my invitation to ultimately come back home to myself oh. and to um, excavate, to unlearn yeah. a lot of these stories. I, you know, I um, like those things of believing that I thought I was inherently bad, yeah. that I was inherently broken and sinful and depraved and a mm-hmm. wretch. I mean, I sang a lot of hymns mm-hmm. calling myself a wretch. Yeah. And I think this pain invited me into so many rememberings and mm. unlearnings of like, oh, I, and I, one of the ways this came about, because I was so not okay, yeah. I just began seeking uh-huh. help uh-huh. and seeking different things, right? Whatever I was doing and believing obviously wasn't working. I was like on my, I thought I wanted to die. I mean, I I had really convinced myself that everyone would be better off if I did not exist. Mm. And I felt like a waste of breath. I thought um, my dad has to be so ashamed Mm. of the person that I've become. Um, It was devastating on a level. And what year was this? So my wreck happened when I was a senior in high school. Okay. The pain started a year into my marriage when okay. I was 23. Okay. Um, all of this happened within, a, you know, I lived in my bed for seven years. We found out about the wire in my brain almost five years after living in my bed. Wow. And then um, my dad passed away right after that. Okay. Ended up having surgery with Mayo to remove. Oh, here's a really cool story. You'll like yeah, this. Yeah. My my dad, so I said he was on his way to see me. Uh-huh. And my godfather ended up setting up a medical fund in my dad's honor. Okay. Because he knew that was his that last was, wish yeah. was me to have this selling life. selling the farm. In order yeah. To... So I could have this surgery. He like plowed our garden with a mule. Like we were country what? folk. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'll, I'll be. I can hear it every once in a while. Uh, there's when certain words. There's, there's, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, woo. Oh, Ruthie. yeah. There's certain words okay. that come strong. <laughs> but he, um, my godfather set up this fun. And I wish you would have been so obsessed with my dad. Ah. Like, if he walked in this room right now. Yeah. He was this larger than life, 6'4". <laughs> his yeah. eyes, like, glowed. The wow. brightest shining you'd want to be right next to him because it felt so good mm. to be in his presence you felt so safe safe i, oh, I could you i felt, could i could yes. hear that word coming out of you yes you felt like everything's gonna be okay yeah. you felt like um really seen yeah. and really loved yeah. and every time he'd leave my brothers and i when we were children he'd say i love you so much mm. remember your manners and always look out for the little guy yeah and that was That's his so thing good. i mean so cute it, like look out for the person yeah. that everyone misses oh. and enter in yeah. and love them yeah. and so when this um we found out about this wire these checks started coming in and people would send letters and we did not have much uh, at all. Yeah. And people would send letters and be like, your dad bought my prom dress. Your dad sent me on my senior trip. Your wow. dad fixed my roof. Your dad paid my rent. Your dad sent me to college. Your dad, we always had children living with us. Mm-hmm. And the full amount of money was raised for me to go to the Mayo Clinic oh. um, out of pocket to have this wow. surgery because of the way he had loved people and the wow. way he had shown up in the world and his love and service to others. Wow, that's amazing. Saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. See, everything that he had done, probably even before you were born. Way before. 
is what ended up yes. giving you what you Life. needed to remove the pain. Yeah. That's to, beautiful. And, you know, it, it at the time I felt I couldn't see out of that trauma. I couldn't yeah. see that there was anything that could come out of it. I felt so abandoned by God. Mm-hmm. I felt so um, abandoned. That's the yeah, bit. Yeah. Traumatized. And now, you know, I have the surgery. They removed the wire. I took bone from my other hip. Then they fused it with titanium screws. I ended up getting pretty severe spinal cord damage. And so I went straight back to my bed and even more hopeless because I'm sure. like, this one thing I put all my hope <laughs> in to fix me and make me better yeah. didn't work. And I'm still in so much pain. So I was on even more drugs at that wow. time. And then my marriage ended. I had a complete nervous breakdown. And it was basically one of those. It was like the end of this seven-year cycle. And it was like, whatever I'm doing is not working. Huh. I remember I had to move home. I couldn't take care of myself. I remember my brother saying, babe, like. You can lay in your bed and hurt all the time, mm-hmm. or you can like get up and yeah. be with people and try to love people and serve people and hurt. And wow. right now, those are your only two options. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll try to like live and hurt, wow. you know. Yeah. And at that, that's was a, powerful though. I mean, that's yeah. that's powerful, and that's yeah. it's scary, but it, when it is your truth, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and at the time, that's all I could see. Like, and I, I ended up weaning myself off of seven years of super heavy narcotics, and um, it took me about four months. And I learned to start live living again. It was like I all I did was lay in bed and watch reality TV and eat my feelings and (laughs) and numb with drugs. What's hold on? What was the reality TV name? A Bravo show or an MTV show? (laughs) And this sister has seen it and watched it and know the characters. All of them. Got it. I mean, that was my truth. That's yeah. all I did. Yeah. I just yeah. laid there yeah. and it was very depressing. Um, but then I just started trying to learn to live again. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of podcasts. I, I used to would have spent 85% of a podcast telling you my story because sure. I felt so defined by it. Yeah. And, you know, when I went to onsite mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell people what I did for a living mm-hmm. and they'd be like, what do you do? I share my story. Right. What's your story? And I could give in five minutes this elevator pitch and yep. people would be like, you're so brave. You're so strong. You're the right. only one, you know, and that made me feel worthy. It made me yeah. feel like I'm special. I knew that my identity was caught up in my pain story when I lived in my bed, but I didn't realize that I still identified with this wow. pain story after I stopped yeah. living in my bed and yeah. started, you know, speaking about my pain and uh-huh. talking about there's purpose in pain and beauty and all these things that at the time, I, you know, I was, that was where I was. Right. But right. all of a sudden I'm like, it was this identity crisis. Cause I'm like, if I'm not this pain story, yeah. if I'm not this trauma, if I'm not this job, who the hell am I? Yeah. And that was this really scary traumatic moment and this entry point of remembering who I truly am my truest essence my that I am worthy and deserving because I am alive and breathing because I exist I am I belong Mm -hmm. I am good I am love I am light I'm whole. Yeah. I am needed because I exist. And it was this unlearning of the stories of all the things that was so wrong, wrong. with me mm-hmm. and remembering what was so right. Yeah. And oh, that true. journey has been pain gifted me that. Mm. Trauma yeah. gifted me that. Because I was a 
listen, if my <laughs> world had turned out how I thought, I would be so basic. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Whatever you say. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. You so know, basic. I would because I just wanted to be pleasing. I wanted to please everyone yeah. and be a good girl because I didn't know I was already inherently mm. good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. And and those are those are non-dualistic beliefs. Mm-hmm. Those are we all I the more I know this to be true for me. Yeah. That all of my parts belong, that all of me belongs and gets to be here and is worthy and good, the more I can walk out and know that every human I encounter yeah. is good yes. and worthy and deserving and belongs. And that is so gosh, it, it is so true. It really is the opposite of what so many of us were taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I, I first ran across this when I started doing some some work and I was introduced to a lot of kind of death penalty abolitionists. Yes. And I started, you know, I mean, I grew up thinking like, it's the death penalty. Yeah. Like, oh, they mm-hmm. killed somebody. Yeah. We killed them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then, I mean, again, you're listening to it like a Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christian. Mm-hmm. But the Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians that taught me my entire life, and then the once I like looked eye to eye with another human being on death row, mm-hmm. where I thought, wait a second, we're we're literally gonna take this completely healthy, mm-hmm. not sick mm-hmm. person and remove their soul. Something shook me at that yeah. point. And I realized, no, they're good. There is something good inside Mm -hmm. of Brandon was the first guy for me, but there's something at the base of whatever evils that they have, you know, I'm not saying that people that follow me on Instagram know that my work isn't trying to get people off death row and onto the streets, right? but their souls are still valuable because there's still something good inside of every single person. You can't convince me otherwise now. Yes, It's, and so if if that's where you start from, if if that's where every day starts with for whoever's listening to this and, you know, okay, today I'm going to wake up and know that every single person I encounter, whether they flip me off in the grocery store, guess what? There's a reason. There's probably some pain mm-hmm. that is deep inside of them that they've made an agreement to mm-hmm. that is causing them to react. So now I don't have to view them as like an enemy yeah. or as like lower than me yes. or as... And I think that's the, at least for me, mm-hmm. the beauty of the non-dualistic thinking and the mm-hmm. beauty of, no, they're just not bad people and good people. They're like traumatized they're, people. They're, and they're journeying people yes. and they're walking people. Yes. And it really makes life, at least for me, thinking this way, mm-hmm. wow, like I, I'm filled with hope every day because yeah. I feel like every single person we walk by or we interact with, there is there's the potential for hope for them. Yes. I love that. Yes to everything you just said (laughs) is the truthiest truth I know. And I think, you know, people aren't inherently bad. They're they're traumatized, right? Traumatized people, traumatized people, hurt people, hurt people, enlightened people, enlightened people, awakened people, awakened people, healed people, heal people. And, I love what they say at OnSite that when our responses to things are hysterical, mm-hmm. they're always historical. Yes. So when people you see. <gasps> I forgot they said that, but yeah. now like I'm just shook remembering that. Right. Yes. It's like when people are acting out of their trauma. Yeah. They're acting so big. It yeah. has, It's so much bigger than what the, is actually happening in yeah. front of them. It's 
old trauma that hadn't been healed yeah. yet, yeah. and they're in pain. Yes. Does that dismiss it? But I've done that more times. Absolutely. I have done that. And that's the other thing. When we go back in and we do this work on ourselves and we excavate and we do this shadow work, these parts mm. that we were taught are bad and aren't, and we they just want to be acknowledged. Mm. These parts like jealousy or our sexuality or all these, they want to be acknowledged. They want to be accepted. Yeah. They want to be they want us to feel them in our bodies. They want us to be curious about them. What age are they? Mm. Is there a story yeah. connected to this this feeling, this emotion, this pain? And it wants to be nurtured. It wants yeah. to be loved on. It wants to be communed with. And the more I learned to accept these parts of me that I was like, oh, gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> right. I became my own tormentor because yeah. I would have that feeling as a human, as every freaking human does. Yep. Yep. And then I would torture myself yes. for having that feeling then be like you're disgusting how could you be jealous of your friend you nasty blah blah mm -hmm. and then i became my own tormentor oh. instead of just witnessing it and be yeah. like oh sweet girl yeah i know there's a part of you that believes that there's not enough for all of you this I'm is so, so good i'm so sorry you yeah. feel that that's so hard yeah you know and like i personify everything i have tea with my shadow parts if i yeah. feel you know, this morning I felt a lot of, um, I felt some abandonment feelings. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's like some old, old wow. wounds. And I sat and I had tea with abandonment. Wow. And I, like you literally had tea, yeah. like, like you were like, I'm going yeah. to. I have tea ceremonies every morning. Yeah. It's a part of my like meditation practice. Of course it is. <laughs> I love you. Ruthie, I get weird so about the minute. Literally, I would have been like, y'all, we need to pray for Ruthie. No, I would have brought not. me to Bible study and been like, pray for her. She is not, not that I would have prayed no, for me, but I would have no, wanted to gossip you. about me because I've been like, she is not okay. Uh, I would have wanted to punt me to the moon. No, and now go. it's like the truest thing. I'm, I know. No, I'm, I'm already like, I'm on my phone right now ordering my tea set on oh. Amazon. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's go. Okay. So, so you're, 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 yeah. and, and again, what, what I love about this is, we, we literally are very similar yeah. in a lot of the healing work that we've done. Obviously, we've been on site, but yeah. the way that you're talking, um, mm -hmm. my my last book, Enter Wild, that came out um, last summer. It's it's just, it's it's the the how close we are in mm -hmm. our journeys, Ruthie, uh, and even in, in in our practice of healing. Mm -hmm. um, so the book is divided into three sections: Enter Rest, Enter War, and Enter Wild. Mm -hmm. And the enter war section was all about me and um, my anxiety and trying to mm -hmm. like fight past mm -hmm. um, me, roll up my sleeves to um, beat my anxiety, mm -hmm. quote unquote. And I tried it. I, I did all the things. I did all mm -hmm. the, I did it. I did the exercise. I did the supplements. I did the mm -hmm. talk therapy. I did all, the, I did the onsite, the experiential therapy. Um, and then I found a man here in Nashville, we'll just name him John, who does this uh, inner healing work. And he was like, a, he was a pastor at a tiny podunk church in Franklin. And he's like, come to my study. So I walk into his study and we sit down and I think the guy's just going to pray for me. Like, I'm like, you know, okay, like he does inner healing. He's going to pray for me and pray that I get healed. He said, um, so you're, and he starts talking about the reptile part of your brain thing, mm -hmm. right? He's, he's like, the reason, Carlos, why you're anxious is there, there's a part of you 
very similar to what you were saying, that is protecting another part of you. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do here is we're going to go back in your story and find the moment in your story, and it may be when you were a child, but that when you started shaming that part of you. Yes. And so, so as you're having tea with this part of you mm-hmm. this morning, what I did was it, and it took a few weeks, but I got a few sessions, but I got back to the moment when I was standing at the top of, oh, was it Ruby Falls? Somewhere in Chattanooga. It was, it was some like, it was in the eighties and my parents had taken me up there and I slipped and I, and I started sliding like towards, towards the fence and all the other adults around me were, I could see they were panicked because I was about to go over wow. this waterfall. Wow. And, I'm, and my mom's looking at me and she's terrified mm. and I'm screaming. And somehow I like caught the fence before I went underneath this wow. big hole in the fence and someone scrambled and got me. And all of my work took me back to this mm-hmm. point. And there was such shame. I was, I, I felt like I'd done something wrong as a little mm-hmm. kid, even though I just slept, it, it was mm-hmm. wet. But I'd been carrying around for 42 years. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that part. I would point fingers, without knowing, point fingers at little yeah. seven-year-old Carlos. Yeah. And this whole time he had been, he's still a part of me. Yes, of course. But I'd been shaming him yes. and keeping him away. And what I had to do was invite him back into relationship mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. The freedom and the breakthrough that yeah. began to happen when not just that part, but I started looking at, oh, the, when I almost lost my family because of yes. decisions I made, yes. I never want to be that guy again. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to see that version of me again. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? God made that part of me. Yes. And that part of me was simply trying to protect me from pain. That's right. So why keep judging that part of me That's right. and invite that part of me back in? That's and then it. the healing begins That's to happen. That's it. The way, and so I'm I'm just assuming that when you're having conversations this morning, having mm-hmm, tea mm-hmm. with the part of you that felt abandoned, maybe forgive me if yeah. that what you yeah, yeah huh. then then you you are just continuing to reconcile that part of you yes. back into you. Yes. I I love that little boy version of yeah. you so much. And I love that part of you that almost lost your family. Mm, yeah. That part of you belongs and is so loved and worthy. And I think we we go at war, like you said, we're Mm -hmm. at war with ourselves and we're torturing ourselves. We become our own tormentor. And no one heals from shame. Mm. No one heals in war, right? You heal from love and tenderness and compassion and forgiveness. And just that's, you know, we hear this coin phrase of reparenting, but you just went in and like daddied yourself. Yeah. I watch you on the Instagram. I see how you are with those babies, with yeah. your children, yeah. how you love them so well. And you went in and daddied yourself mm-hmm. and took care of you. And the thing that's so profound about our brains, yeah. oh my God, our brains are so profound. They are. <laughs> the limbic brain doesn't know time. Mm. That's why when our responses are hysterical, it's historical. When we're triggered, we feel like we're right back in that moment and yeah. we don't know it. And we're like, our bodies are reacting and we're feeling freaked out and we're losing our mind and 
it's because our our brain, our limbic brain doesn't know time. Wow. And we're back in that old, old cycle. Mm. And the prefrontal cortex goes completely offline for 25 minutes wow. when we are in our trauma sec- in really? our trauma cycle. It can take 25 minutes for that to come back online. Wow. And you feel like you're back in that moment. Yeah. But what's so profound about what you've done and the work I'm doing, when we go back in and love on our little selves mm-hmm. and little Carlos and little Ruby yeah. and take care of them and pick them up and t- remove them from situations and uh-huh. speak such love and kindness and reminding them that they're safe now, that we've got them. Our precious little limbic brain that doesn't mm-hmm. know time doesn't know that's not exactly how it happened. Right. Because it doesn't know time. That's amazing. It, you are creating a new neuropathway for your precious, profound brain that was created to heal. They say it on site. I remember the first time I heard it. They're like, it's never too late to create a perfect childhood. I'm like, huh? Ma'am. Come again? <laughs> Hello? The fook you say? And now it's the truest thing I know because I yes. have gone back in and mama the shiz yeah. out of me. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to cuss because no, I have a really dirty mouth. The fook word's my favorite word that ever existed. L- listen, this is a podcast. I've you got can bleep, bleep things. Bleep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love the fuck word. It's my favorite word that ever was. So, but that's what's so beautiful. Like today, oh my gosh, I had... <laughs> Yeah, tell us. Well, there's several things that happened during my tea ceremony today, but this one, even more than the rejection one, this just came up. It was so interesting because one of my old stories that go back to the part of the purity culture I was a part of, that my body was broken. My Mm -hmm. mom really struggled with her body and food and weight, and that was a hyper focus in my home. And they, my parents would sit around the table and talk about people that were fat and, you know, it just wasn't okay. It wasn't acceptable. My mom was gorgeous. And so everything was about appearance and looking a certain way. And, you know, I was breathing that in from the get go, from the jump. That was, um, and so that has been a huge thing that I have been at war with in my body. And I just decided I'm laying those weapons down. I'm not going to do that anymore. Those parts of me just want to be loved. And that part of like how I've tried to stuff feelings because I didn't feel like it was safe to feel my feelings. It Uh got really bad after my car accident because it was like, I don't know what to do with all this. I'm just going to stuff down any feeling that feels bad and numb as much as humanly possible. Right. And try to, it was the one thing I could feel a sense of even it was out of control and then I could control it when I would um, restrict. Uh And it was just a way to when my world felt very chaotic yeah. and out of control. And anyway, I had this experience this morning while having tea with myself. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. I saw I saw teenage Ruthie uh-huh. standing in front of my armoire that I used to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would I would pull down my pants and I would stare at my body uh-huh. and I would just the hatred, wow. the loathing, the yeah. scare scathing. I would just sit and criticize and hate and think of all the things that needed change. I want to cut off parts of me. And I would just, I was at war. It was war. It was was literal hatred. And it wasn't conscious, of course. I mean, I love the Carl Jung quote, um, until the unconscious becomes conscious, we'll have the same results over and over and call it fate. Hmm. Right. Wow. So I kept cre- recreating this exact same scenario over and over and over because these unconscious thoughts that I'm not worthy, my body's broken, my yeah. body is against me, it's hateful, it's disgusting, you know. 
Anyway, this morning, I saw me as a teenager standing in front of my childhood armoire. And then I saw me as my highest self today standing on the other side of the mirror. And now this is going to get a little woo-woo. No, it's Just fine. Going to no, go yeah, there with yeah. you because it's We're my friends. truth. Yeah, you know? yeah. I saw. I have. I believe I have light workers. I saw Jesus. Uh-huh. I saw Mother Mary. I uh-huh. saw my angels. I uh-huh. saw my daddy. Wow. And I saw these light workers on the surrounding me, uh-huh. looking back at her. The teenage girl. We were what and, was she, yes. what she was looking at yeah. in the wow. mirror. And she we were what she was looking at wow. in the mirror. And I just I could hear what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And I just said, Oh, precious girl, can I tell you the truth? And mm-hmm. I was making eye contact with her. Yeah. And I just said, You are so good. Wow. You are so beautiful. You are so worthy. Mm-hmm. You're so deserving. You are so whole. Mm-hmm. Everything about you is precious, precious. I love you. You're so loved and Mm. so needed. And I'm just oozing words and gushing and just speaking. We're both crying. And then I see, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Then I saw me take her hand Uh and bring her into the mirror with me. And I was embracing her and Uh holding her and almost like rocking her. And I saw her little head on my shoulder and I was just whispering, I'll never leave you. Mm. I love you so much. You are so beautiful and so good and so worthy and so deserving and you belong you belong you precious soul and then i asked jesus Uh and i asked mother mary and i asked to if they had words for her and for me and i just heard like oh you are so good you're so loved and then this one made me cry so hard i asked my daddy if he Mm. had a word for us Mm. and when i was a little girl Every morning, my mom would come pick me up and take me into my daddy's bed. Mm -hmm. And I would just snuggle with him every morning. He'd hug me and he'd do this thing. I don't know where it started, (laughs) but he would... He would um, rub my back and he'd go, pat, pat, rub, rub. (laughs) And he'd say, daddy loves you. God loves you. Daddy loves you. God loves you. And all of a sudden, I heard that like over and over. And I'm like, I'm like patting and rubbing my little body and saying, pat. Daddy loves you. God loves you. And as crazy and as woo-woo as it sounds, it's also science that my brain doesn't know that's not exactly what Evan happened. And that precious girl got nurtured, Mm -hmm. got loved on, got spoken truth. And and that's what happened. Yeah. Like today. Today. Healing happened to that little girl. Yes. Today. Yeah. My soul was nourished. Yeah. I nourished through source, through my highest self. And this yeah. is, we are co-creators with source. Yeah. That thing that that thing that we're taught is out there mm-hmm. that's judging us and condemning uh-huh. us uh-huh. and watching us and, you know, it's going to condemn us to hell if we right. don't do. Oh, <laughs> what a story. <laughs> that creator of all things yeah. is inside of each and every one of us. And yeah. we are co-creating this life yeah. with source. And so, did I do that on my own? No. Right. Something right. so much bigger and larger than me stepped in and helped me navigate that precious moment. This is so good. <laughs> because mm. what what people are hearing right now, you know, you would um, a few times during 
what you just said, you would preface it with, I'm just going to go there. This may sound whatever, <laughs> but the truth is everyone that, that hears this. Okay. So say, say before I did my healing work and I would hear someone say something like this, because now, now I'm like in it with you, yeah. like everything you're saying, I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> like, like I, like I'm, I'm again, I'm ordering my tea set. Right. Um, but for someone that that's not there, if there's anything that they are hearing, it's that there's an availability to heal past mm -hmm. parts of you mm. and to bring them in back into alignment and relationship and healing and health. Um, and that when you heal and invite those parts of you, again, it's called human hope. There's hope. There, yeah. there, Everyone just needs to know that there's, there's so hope for hope. healing. Yes. There's there's just hope for healing. And you know, Ruthie, you're um you're just special. Like like you you just you just are special. You I I do I feel like you're anointed. I feel like there that mm. that may be a you know Christianese word, but I feel like it's a it's a word that's in the Webster's dictionary, so I can call you that. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like you're the way you see and the way you see things is I, I believe it's it's a it's anointed, and so mm. here's just because your your mind is who I really want a lot of my listeners. Which again, I don't know who my listeners are because my first episode hasn't <laughs> dropped yet, so it could be my mom. Mom, if you're listening, mom, we mom, love you. Mom, we love you. And so, like, mom, she may just be talking to you, but but um, it's so I love it. So this is what I, was what I want to. I I do I if I just look at like my Instagram followers. I am, I'm taking a hard left turn here, but not really. Okay. So follow. I'm you with you. I, I have a predominantly conservative evangelical mm -hmm. fellowship. And why is that? Well, because I, I preach in their churches and yes. uh, they read my books yes. and I love that. Yeah. And they, 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 they followed my, my journey with my daughter, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, yeah. her healing journey and my prayers and all the things. Yes. And, and I have given them. I give them hope in their faith. Mm -hmm. Now, in the last 12 months, they have seen me um, begin to show people that although I still believe that hope is Jesus mm -hmm. and hope is what I, my belief system is still based on, mm -hmm. I'm showing other semblances of hope. I'm showing other people that have found hope different ways. Mm -hmm. Now, all of that to say, I feel like there needs to be, and you may be the perfect person in my world to do this, some, I'm going to say some words and they may, may not make sense for some people as I'm saying them out loud, but like there's just been such a divide mm -hmm. between the faith healing, I'm just going to pray and things are going to get better community. And the psychology mm -hmm. um, kind of heart, heart mind work community over here. And then there's mm -hmm. just, there's, there's a, I just feel like there's this chasm that doesn't need to be there. Yes. And there's, if, if there could be some sort of reconnection mm -hmm. or not just pointing fingers at each other and, yes. and saying like, no, like what if, what if it's, what if actually I can take some of what you're doing bring it yes. over here. I can take some of what That's you're right. doing and bring it over here. That's right. Suddenly, I just feel like there could be an acceleration of healing mm -hmm. 
when it's not so dualistic, I guess. Yeah. It's may, hey, it's coming full circle here. That's exactly right? it. Um, yeah. And so I feel, and I don't even know if I'm asking you a question. I don't even know if I'm just saying this out loud because you're sitting in front of me, but I just feel like I hear your story mm-hmm. and I know that there's just so much of what you're saying that can mm-hmm. be so helpful to a lot of like even evangelical Christians yeah. that um, are like, well, you know what? Like, I wonder if some of the work that Ruthie does can help me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, maybe, maybe help them not be scared yeah. of that work. I love Jesus so much and I feel so loved by Jesus. Yes. And I also connect with Mother Mary and yeah. I sometimes call it the universe. And yeah. it's just, it, it's for me and it, it, for someone that, Jesus is their entry point into connection. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. My brother, Tim Lindsay, is the most loving, generous, Mm. kindest, profound, beautiful soul I've maybe ever met on planet Earth. And he loves Jesus on a level like he kept, he was the, tie that connected that when I was untethered, yep. that tethered me to my faith. I'm like, wow. if Tim Lindsay believes this, there's something to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The way he shows up in the world. I mean, he's asked to speak at every human in my town's funeral and they die. Wow. Wow. He's the doctor in my hometown, every color person, because everyone feels seen and loved by Tim yeah. Lindsay. Tim Lindsay. Tim I want to I want to hug that guy. You would it's I, I not already, okay. okay. Like he, it's not. I can, have, okay. I can feel he it already. He came here as an alien, as an <laughs> ancient old man. He did not fit in our family because we were not so sweet and we were a lot more basic and making fun of people. And he'd be like, "No, no, no." He would like correct my parents, not in a judgmental way sure. at the dinner table. Tell like, me when he's in Nashville next. He is the most precious soul. He has six babies. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah. That. And that's the thing that's so beautiful about order, disorder, reorder. Yeah. Order people often are like they're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Disorder people think, oh, no, they're wrong. And it can look like Republican and yeah. Democrat. Yeah. Republicans think Democrats are trash. Democrats uh-huh. think Republicans are trash. And it's still very dualistic. You're yep. right and you're wrong. Yep. Reorder. Okay. So order, disorder, order, reorder. disorder, reorder. The reorder is realizing that, oh, it's, we all belong. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. We all are worthy. We're all deserving. Yeah. We're all here for a reason. We're all good. Mm. And you can't get to reorder without first going through order and disorder. And, it, you know, everyone doesn't leave the different parts. And yeah. they're perfect. Yeah. They're perfect. Yeah. They are so beautiful and so good and so worthy and so deserving. And I think... You know, I think we get nervous and we get scared. And, you know, if you're listening right now and this feels so left field, (laughs) I honor that so much. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. And I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And we both belong. And gosh, I I mean, if I had heard me five (laughs) years ago, I would have want to punt me (laughs) to the moon. And like, she is not well. She is not well. And I love that part of me. I love that version. I tried. My publisher wouldn't let me. I asked. I wanted to dedicate my book to the girl that lived in her bed. Wow. Because she. Yeah. Because that is a real. Yes. And that precious soul Mm. was my entry point. I couldn't be anything that anyone is drawn into me, uh, drawn to about me that wants to work with me. I'm like, I could not be who Mm. I am today. Yeah. 
I am who I am today because of every version of me up to this point. Wow. Every version of me was the entry point to be here. And mm-hmm. I'll look at me five years ago and be like, that sweet girl thought she knew shit. And <laughs> right. I will be like, she was a part of my entry point. Yes. I am a fetus and we are all just in earth school learning <laughs> all the things. And I want to live as this just constant. I hope. I have this vision. This is my intention. This yes, is my. Yes. This will happen. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be 90 years old. Yes. Speak it. Turquoise rings. Speak long, it. flowy white dress. Yes. Long, silver Emmylou Harris hair. Yes. And I am going to be walking around with an effing notebook and pen, <laughs> taking notes, being like, <gasps> in awe. Yes. Like, I am a fetus. I have everything to learn. Everything at 90. These four-year-old children have everything to teach me. Yes. Like, Wow, what a way I of wanna thinking. Be a, I want to be a professional student and yes. learner. And if I ever act like I have it figured out, lock me up. Okay. Because sister is yeah. confused. Yeah. Right? so good. I'm confused. Oh, I, a lifelong learner. Um, gosh, if we could only just get there, all of us. I'd love to to go to um, a space that that is um, a little raw for me. Mm-hmm. Um and and only and I only again, only talk to you about this because you've been there. But mm-hmm. so my eighteen um, year old, so Halo, she's just had a life lifelong of kind of chronic health issues mm-hmm. that are, that have happened that have caused her to be in in um, pretty intense pain yeah. for many years of her life. She's taught me so much through her. Again, a lot of your journey I can see echoed. And what she's really young, but she's so much wiser than the rest of us mm-hmm. because of the pain has yeah. taught her some things. And then last, uh, I guess it was 2019, we ended up, when she, I guess she was 17, in Vanderbilt Children's Hospital for 22, 23 days. Wow. Um, and they couldn't, it was something new. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. And mm-hmm. she, I've never seen her in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Um, just her chest, her lungs. She was mm-hmm. just, you know, and as a father. Oh. I'm just, all I could do is lay in bed with her yes. and just hold her. And through prayer and petition and all the things, we begin to see some miracle signs and wonders happening mm-hmm. and healing in her body moving. But she is, um, she tells me all the time, she goes, Daddy, I mean, this was even, so that was 2019. Because of the, the infection she got in her lungs, there's still a lot of pain that she's in. Yeah. So she's living mm. in in more pain than I've ever, mm. ever known, like mm. a physical pain than I've mm-hmm. ever known. Um, but I'm seeing her choose. Mm. I could lay and watch reality TV mm-hmm. all day because it hurts so bad, or I could hurt so bad while I help others. Mm. And I'm seeing her make that choice. And I've never asked her this outright, so I'm just going to ask you, for people that are, listening to this and they are in some yes bit of, chronic pain has been a thing for them yes help them get up mm-hmm. how, how is it just a decision is it an hour or minute by minute decision because i know i've seen it in you now i've seen it in my daughter that people can um, not only ex- survive, yeah. but thrive. Mm-hmm. Even when maybe their physical bodies are not what all of the ads tell us they should be. Yeah. 
First off, you're precious girl. Oh, I want to meet her. Yeah, There's her. so much I'd love to share with her and learn she, from her. She works. I'll cut this out. So if you're ever uh, there, she'll take your order. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, precious, profound, mm. ancient sage. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, you know, the people that I, my wisdom keepers, the people mm. that I look to for truth yeah. and my teachers have all lived through, been through such intense, either emotional, physical, spiritual, more often than not, all three yeah. are all connected yeah. trauma and pain yeah. and have chosen um, the journey of not staying there yeah. and excavating and letting it invite them in mm-hmm. to mm. um, such wisdom, such truth, such consciousness, mm. awakening. I mean, they are, they are my teachers, yeah. you know, and she just, I can tell, yeah. oh, that wise, brave yes. soul. Yes. Um, and to get back to your question, the first thing I would just say is if you're listening to this and you are suffering, yeah. I am so sorry. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. I am so Sorry, mm. whatever you're feeling, whatever you're trying not to feel, yeah. I so understand. And it's so hard. Oh, earth school mm. could be so brutal. Yeah. It's so painful. Yeah. And I say that and I mean that with all the depths. Mm. Um, I feel you. And, and mm. Mm. I really with. You know, listen, my neck looks more like a toaster oven than a spinal cord. Mm. Um, I have wanted to die. I thought my life was over. Um, I hated everything about my life. I hated being in my body. I hated being in my life. And if I can heal. Yeah. And when I say I don't just, um, I'm not just like floating through. I love my life. Wow. Wow. And I love my body. Yeah. She has been holding me and loving me and calling me home to myself all of this time. And mm. she is good. Yeah. Loud bodies are really loving bodies. Mm. They're trying to get our attention. Yeah. There's something that needs our attention. Yeah. It needs our communion and needs our love. Mm. And I, um, you know, I think so often we think once I feel better, then I'll start doing these things Mm -hmm, and just, mm -hmm. it might just be one little action, right? Like right now, one of my things is to get back in my body when, Mm -hmm. you know, I honor that part of me that left because I couldn't be here today. (laughs) She helped me survive. Yeah. Right. And it served me until it didn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And for me to heal our trauma, you know, the body keeps the score. That book's the most profound book I've ever read to heal. Like you have to, the issues are in the tissues, uh-huh. right? <laughs> that's so good. Like yeah. that's where I heard a shaman say, um, knowledge is just a rumor until it comes into the muscle. Mm. So unless we embody ourselves, we can't actually begin healing. Wow. And so the first thing that I do is I um, <laughs> I will turn on a song and I'll be like, okay, body, how do you feel right now? And if I feel anxious, I'm mm-hmm. like, we're going to move as anxiousness. Huh. And you would and actually 
I get up and I move. So this would be called non-linear movement. Okay. So linear, kind of like dualistic. It's black or white. It's yep. straight. Dur, 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 yep. dur. It's very masculine. Non-linear is very feminine. It's okay. the divine feminine. It's letting your body move as she wants to move. Like think about if an animal is being chased by another animal and okay. it's going to die and it's mm-hmm. scared to death. The second that danger is done. Yep. And they're safe and the other animal's gone away. The animal will shake yeah. all over. Yeah. And then it'll go freaking take a nap. Because <laughs> right. it knew how to move that mm. trauma through their body. Mm-hmm. We are not taught how to do that. Wow. We are not taught. Yeah. We cannot talk our way out of trauma. We can't think yep. our way out of trauma. It has to be the mind and the body. And so I will literally, and if you are in a bed and you can't move, mm-hmm. it can be a finger. Mm. Be like, let's okay, go. all right, finger, I need to, let's see how you feel right now. If you feel stuck, wow. I'm going to move as stuckness. Yeah. And that one little, that one little movement. Yeah. Right. And so often we think the emotion needs to come first, but the motion has to come before the emotion. Wow. And like, that's powerful. I didn't do anything for seven years that I thought would make my pain worse. And huh. so I did nothing. Right. Everything made my pain worse. Yeah. Right. And then that made it even worse because I was immobile and that made me stiffer. And and so you have one little bait. It could be right now. It might be moving from the bed to the couch. And you precious, profound soul, you are doing such a good job. Yes, you are. You are exactly where you're meant to be. And you are doing such a good job. Yeah. And another thing that I would this is something I mean, these are things I practice. This is my daily work. Now, this is going to sound really woo-woo. I love it. Which is the, the uh, woo-woo count is four. Ding! For the conversation. I'm, I'm impressed. Okay. Bring it. <laughs> but this is, again, this is science. Yeah. Like, this no, is really actually is. science. Yeah. So, our bodies don't know the difference in our hands uh-huh. and a lover or a partner's hands. Really? The same hormone, they've done all these tests, the same hormone is released when a beloved, attuned partner holds you. I've heard this. Keep going. Yes. As when you do. Yes. Right? So what I tell my clients, I'm like, write, and this is what I do for myself. I will write a list of every word. Now, this is very helpful if you're single in a pandemic. (laughs) It's very helpful. I've heard heard this a lot from my single friends that that they would do this. Go ahead. So you write a list of every word that you would long to hear from a very attuned partner, even if you are in partnership. Mm. They can't give you everything. They aren't meant to. Yeah. We get to give these things to ourselves. Okay. And it's only our job. Yeah. Right? So you can write out a list of everything you long to hear from mm. a partner. And then you read that list and you take your precious hands. And listen, you might not believe you at first. You probably won't. Okay. And that's why it's called a practice. Right, right, right. Right? right. It's just a practice. Your sweet little mind is going to tell you so many, like, this is BS. None of this works. <laughs> right. Just be like, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And so you literally, you read this list and you take your hands. And this is what I do. I'm like, oh, Ruthie, Mm. you are so precious. And I just hug myself and I massage myself. And I'll be like, oh, I will never leave you. Wow. I love you so much. You are so beautiful. I love spending time with you. I love getting to know you. I 
am so excited to get to know you for the rest of my life. Mm. You are so fascinating and you're so funny. I am. I'm so funny. Yeah. And I get to remind myself we are going to laugh together and dance together and sing together. Uh. And my sweet body, as I massage her and love on her and hold her, doesn't know. Our bodies love being reminded of everything they know to be true. We're just telling her lies all the time. Yeah. And also, now this is another weird one, but it's been so beautiful for me. I personify everything. Yeah. I called my body an it. Okay. For so long. I, my friend Jamie Lee Finch talks about this. A refrigerator is an it. Uh-huh. We fix its. If right. the refrigerator's broken, we fix it. Yeah. Humans are meant to be communed with. Mm. We commune. I'm not going to try to fix me. I'm going to commune yeah. with me. Yeah. My body wants to be seen, held, acknowledged, yeah. and loved. Yeah. And these are these little ways. You know, we're on this hamster wheel that we don't, until the unconscious becomes conscious, we have the same results over and over and over and call it fate. And these are little practices that you can do to just take a step off the freaking hamster wheel of yeah. telling yourself you're disgusting, you're broken, something's wrong with you, no one will ever love you, you'll never have that job, you'll yeah. never have that money. It's all, we're creating our own hell. Wow. Telling ourselves this horrible story over and over, not even realizing that our words yeah. are damning us yeah right yeah. and all we're longing for is communion and love and kindness mm. and tenderness and beauty yeah. and we get to give this to ourselves yeah it's beautiful and the more the thing that's so precious it's so opposite of what i was taught it's the most this okay love your neighbor as yourself yep yep people are hating themselves so of course they can't go out and love their neighbor that's a word so if you, you come in, yeah. it's the most, this is the gospel. If you yeah. love yourself yeah. and show yourself compassion mm. and tenderness, I'm telling you, I can't walk out the front door without seeing people and knowing that that's for them too. Yeah. And when I hate myself yeah. and I speak the most damning, hateful, yep. scathing words, yep. I walk out and I judge and I hate and I other and I am disgusted because that's how I'm treating me. Yeah. Yeah. It always oh. starts with us. Always. So that is good. the greatest act of effing resistance. Yes. Is coming home into your precious body and loving her and honoring her. I mean, we hear that like until you give yourself the mask, you right. can't. Right, right, But we don't understand. How do you practically do that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. These are just little practices to get off that freaking hamster wheel of self-hatred. Yep. Wow. I'm, my mind is blown. This has been so <laughs> Good. Oh. Oh. Okay. So we're just going to have to do this like 10 more times. Okay. Can, can, we, can, can, this can I hang out thing? with you every day? Can this just be a Sign thing? me up. Ruby. Yes. I am in. Oh my gosh. It, all, all this conversation did besides give us the opportunity for so much healing and freedom is give me a thousand other things <laughs> I want to talk about. Um, it, it was, it's just so good. You, 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 you keep mentioning your clients. You keep mentioning mm. people that you work with. You keep mm -hmm. mentioning. Um, so tell us about that. Like, mm. like what, what, uh, I'm people are just like, Oh, Ruthie's Carlos's Instagram friend. No, she, you actually do things. You actually like, like <laughs> she actually has a job, has a, job a job. What, what is it? What is it that, that you do? And, and how can we be your clients? Because I think we're all, we're all wait, waiting in line to give you all our money. What, what is it you do? Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's actually been really sweet. I think 
as painful and of course, you know, this is a very privileged thing to say. I have been able to stay home and work from home. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of ways, this time COVID, like yeah. I my work shut down a lot. I'm a, yeah. a speaker. I used okay. to travel yep. all the time and most I mean at conferences and retreats and the ones that I did aren't happening yeah. on like live right Same. now. Uh-huh. And um I, I'm also an author. I had a book come out during COVID. During um, COVID? What yeah, is it? It came it's out. It's a memoir, right? Yeah, it's called There I Am, The wow. Journey from Hopelessness to Healing. Awesome. Um, it came out a month into COVID. And, wow. you know, we, it was, yeah, a whole journey. Yeah. But, you know, if I had been on this massive tour like I was supposed to mm-hmm. be on, if I had been going nonstop traveling the world like I was supposed to be doing, I wouldn't have stopped and slowed down. Yeah. I wouldn't have had space um, to really do some deep excavation, some deep wow. inner work um, that I'm so deeply grateful for. I'm off medication. I was I took sleep medicine okay. since I was a teenager. I think I just didn't want to be awake. Sure, sure. Um, and then pain started and it just uh-huh. fed that story. I'm like, I'm going to have to, because I still have pain. It's not like, it, sure. I mean, you know, going through very functional mm-hmm. I am. And I believe I'll continue to heal. I mean, it's yeah. like not even comparable to what it was. Wow. Um, not comparable. Wow. Um, and I think my body just needed loving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, someone talked about how when we're in pain, my do- friend, Dr. Haley McBride, she's like, when we're in pain and your muscles tighten up around, uh-huh. to picture it as like they're hugging you. Yeah. They're trying to protect you. Wow. And my sweet little muscles have been hugging the yeah. shit out of me yeah. for 15 yeah. years, yeah. just loving me. And I get to go in and remind them, oh, thank you. Yeah. I've got you now. Yeah. We're safe. Yeah. And I had this space, right? Mm. I got to start... I'm off all medicine for the first time since I was a teenager. You are? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I sleep incredibly. I didn't think that was a possibility. I'm 41 years old. I've been on medicine since I was 16 for sleep. Wow. I sleep eight or nine hours and I dream for the first time. Wow. Restorative rest, right? Wow, yes. Learned how to cook. I spend time in Mother Nature. She's my medicine every day. Yes, yes. I started, it's actually really beautiful. My dog got hurt. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, work has been slower and all the things. And I can get very like what I know is what I feel comfortable in. It's like a part of my chart. It's just and I often need a little push out of Uh the nest. And this perfect, profound dog, Sissy Spacek, my Buddha, she needed a lot of care and all uh, very expensive. And I was like. I was in a meditation tea ceremony. Of course. And I got this download and I was like, you know, people had talked to me about coaching and something oh. about it just didn't feel, um, I don't know. I think I just, I didn't know it and it was uncomfortable. I don't know. I yeah. just always said no. And I got this download while doing tea about love reflection sessions. Okay. Wow. I like that. I love did, reflection yeah, sessions. Yeah. And basically, you know, <clears throat> I sit across and whoever the person is that I'm sitting across from is mm. the most important human that I could possibly ever meet. Which I feel right now. Uh, you are. I feel it. You are. <laughs> and I get to just sit and help. Uh-huh. I this is. I call myself a midwife of souls. Oh, that is so. <laughs> you are. You come up with the best phrases. <laughs> it's so but good. But it's like I think yes, I'm here to help people remember why they're here and who they truly are. Yes. Help them like unlearn and yeah. remember. Yeah. And remember who they are and why they came here and how profound mm-hmm. and perfect and how 
healing and pleasure and all beauty is their birthright. And so I started this. It was wild. I got the download. I posted about the next day. It sold out. (laughs) And I was like, wait, holy hell. And I got to So what I'm going to do, I, um, I think what I'm moving towards uh-huh. is I'm going to do groups okay, um, and ongoing yeah. because yeah. I was doing one-offs, but I'm like real shift happens with consistency, yeah, absolutely. Um, with ongoing mirroring, mm-hmm. people witnessing you and loving you. Like yep. the opposite of addiction is community, Yeah, right? Wow. The opposite of addiction is community and we just need to be held and seen in our, like I, I always tell my clients, I'm like, Literally, you can tell me the thing that you feel like no one can ever know. No one can know this about me. And I, if, I, if they knew, I would be thrown off the island. Wow. And I would look at you after you told me and say, I love that part of you. You precious soul. That part of you belongs. And I love that part of you. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I can say that to you is because I'm learning. I have, listen, I have stolen. I have cheated. I have lied. Yeah. I have used people. Mm-hmm. All of those parts get to be at this table. Yeah. And I will let love be at the head. And they get to be loved on and nourished and parented and seen and cared for. And then they're not the head of the table anymore. Mm. All of our parts belong. And so that's the work that I get to do. I'm I'm gonna be taking I'm gonna be opening it up in April, okay. taking on more clients. Okay. Um Okay. So if people if people yeah. if people want to be have their soul love reflected. Be, be love reflected by the midwife of souls. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the woman to do it. You are. I'm ready for whatever your midwifing needs to happen to me. I'm re- whatever it is. I think it actually happened while I was in here. I don't, I don't know, but you delivered me. It was so. This has been so good for me. Thank, Thank you. you. I love you. I love you like, too. Like you, were, you were just a great. Oh, I'm just so glad that we ran across each other. Me too. This has been I'm so good. So honored. This um, is. Carlos, I just, you, I know I've, um, I've said this to you already, but not online and not Mm. on this, like you help people feel safe. You are a expander. Mm. You are a reframer. You allow us to see things in this very zoomed out way where we can see it from other people's point of view and other positions. And that is that is everything and more that our society, our culture, our very divided, very wounded, very painful, yeah. very us against them yeah. culture. That's everything we need. And it yeah. is your medicine is potent, sir. Mm. Mm. It is potent. And I'm honored <sighs> I to know that. you, to be seen by you, mm. to be your friend, to learn from you. You are mm. one of my teachers. And mm. I am so so, so, so grateful that I got to be a part of this with you. And well, just thank you for how you show up in the world. You're welcome. And thank you for um, doing what you did today. You may not even know. Oh, you'll never know the impact that this had. So thank you for sharing everything. And thank you for, I don't know how, how I end these interviews. Thank you for being human. Hope, right? Oh, That's what you are. <laughs> no, you thank are you. In a box, I mean, what just happened? 
Ruthie Lindsay, you are magic. You are magic. And I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to be your friend. I'm so grateful to have tea scheduled at your house for this coming Monday. I'm so grateful for all the things that you're making me rethink, for all the things that you're making me newly think, uh, for all the the trauma that I've carried around that you're so eloquently and gracefully showing me how to not only carry but let go of, you are a gift to humanity. And just thank you. Um, friends, that was that was the longest podcast episode yet. We're at an hour and a half. And I, you know, I, there's never been like a, hey, I'm going to have a 45-minute podcast. I'm going to have a 30-minute podcast. I'm gonna have They've just all kind of landed around an hour. I could have talked to Ruthie for another five hours. And that's not that's not me being like just whatever hype guy, like Enneagram 7 dude saying like, I could have just talked to her for... No. Talk, it was like, it was like moment, truth bomb after truth bomb after truth bomb, explosion after explosion after explosion. It just, it never stopped. Ruthie is going to have to be back on the show. Um, well, I, and I'm just grateful that you guys... Um, stuck around because if you stuck around towards till the end, you got everything that you needed to get from that. Isn't it amazing how people, um, that when we come together with people that view the world differently than us, yet the same as us, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Ruthie taught me things because she sees things differently than I do. And she tells me that I do the same. That's the whole, that's the whole reason why we do this, right? It's the whole reason why we commune. It's the whole reason why we get in relationships with people is so that kind of magic can happen. I'm just grateful. Just really grateful. Um, well, you know, I know that you guys really enjoyed last week's episode uh, where it was your stories of hope. And we're going to do that again. I'm thinking about, there. it was such a smashing success. I'm thinking about doing it um, every so often. But then also I'm thinking about, what, what would you guys think if I just added a couple of those stories in? like once an episode, maybe two stories an episode, something like that. I won't do it this week just because, I mean, we, we don't need any more hope like that. I, I don't know if I can like, I'm going to get up. I'm like drunk on hope right now. Uh, but I'm going to make sure that we include some more of those. Um, just because again, I got over seven hours, uh, and I definitely wasn't able to give you, but 45 minutes of them last week. So I've got a lot a lot of hopeful stories. Friends, I am grateful that you trusted me with these 90 minutes. Thank you so much. You know what really helps? Yeah, you do, because I tell you all the time. Share this podcast with your friends. And if you uh, enjoy the podcast, it really helps a lot if you guys would, especially on Apple Podcasts. Rate it. Give it five stars if you love it. Give it four and a half stars if you don't. Um, <laughs> but it really helps. Um, and, and share, share, share away, share on social media, let people know that there's a place where they can find some hope, some human hope. So guys, I am grateful that you trust me again. I am not the giver of hope. I'm simply a curator of hope filled humans, which you are included in guys. That's all for this week's episode. I will see you next week for episode 12 of human hope.